from the Innsmouth Book Club. Join me and my fellow guide, John Chadwick, as we take you on a fortnightly tour of Innsmouth. We visit places such as the Picture House, the Library and Innsmouth Museum to discuss all aspects of weird fiction, whether it be book, film, music, TV or art. As well as that, we stop over at the Gilman House to have a chat with a resident guest. That includes authors, artists, musicians, in fact, Lovecraftian creatives of all types. You can find our free shows on Patreon, and there you can also sign up as a patron, which brings you bonus content, plus a monthly PDF copy of Innsmouth News, which features articles, author spotlights, all the latest news and reviews, and more. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash Innsmouth BC. We hope to see you soon because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Greetings, listeners. It is I, TV Spitzer and Farmer Dave, here once again to talk to you about the Cthulhu Mythos. It's books, it's monsters, it's unfortunate human casualties, it's timeline in general, and even its tangential bits, like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature that are Lovecraftian leaning. Once more we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. You're listening to KZOM. Good, glad to hear. I got uh, Scott Glancy and Ken Height both their soaps, just so you know. Thank you so much. You are welcome very much. Sure, you want the good news or the bad news? What's the bad news? Uh, I don't have, I, I was just exhausted. I don't have a middle part for this week. That's fine with me. Um, we don't have to have a middle part because we can talk about the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival in exhaustion. Okay. Yeah. And the yeah. good news, though, is I've got about three interviews set up for next week. That's amazing by me. And just to let you know, everything we're talking about is probably going to end up in the next episode just because the fact that we don't have enough stuff to talk about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, Dave, uh, welcome back to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. How was it's your... like I never left. I know. It's, it, it feels like it's in fact, been... I haven't. I, I, I've been here stuck in the... I've been stuck in the studio all week because I couldn't op- get the door to open. Well, I know that's not true because the fact that I saw you this weekend at the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival... In Portland, Oregon, uh, Sarah and I drove up north to check on the house, uh, cater the VIP dinner, and then she drove back to take care of the kids because they were at their grandma's for a little bit, and then they were with us. And anyway, we did the VIP dinner, and then I was a volunteer for the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival all GD weekend. I was yes, on. You volunteered the heck out of that. Yeah, no, I did the VIP dinner and made sure that people got fed, and then I worked the festival at the Kickstarter booth. 
I did the load in and the load out of all the stuff. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not an overachiever. I'm a workaholic. And it's, it's not about like being better than anyone. It's about making sure that stuff gets done because I love this festival and it's how my friends make money throughout the year, including myself, but not that much money for me personally. But the rest of my friends, like uh, Nick the Hat and uh, Jack and Ike's Press and everyone else out there who who, who is a part, um, you know, that's the how they The Hollywood do. Theater? The Hollywood Theater, yeah, they're cool. But I care more about, like, the people who spend money to make money. The people who put out art because of the fact that they care about this stuff. And, um... No, the Hollywood theater is tremendous because of the fact that they are there. But I love this festival. I want it to go on forever. But, unfortunately, there's not enough stuff around the festival to do the stuff that I want to do. Like, there's never enough good places to eat around the festival. And with exception for, like, the few years that we had the Senior Center uh, right by the Hollywood Theater, we had a place for role-playing games to go on. But I don't necessarily think that that's going to be a possibility in the future. Um, and I personally, as a volunteer for the HPL FF, am trying to find a new place for everyone to hang out and sell their stuff and play role-playing games because that is a huge part, in my opinion, of the Cthulhu Con HPL FF. Anyway. We're not talking about that. We are talking about all kinds of other stuff. Dave, how is it on the farm these days? It is well. Yeah? Um, it, it's not been too hot, not too cool. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been nice. The, um, the, the she-goats are getting bucky, though. Nice. Yeah. They get aggressive. They'll start bumping each other's heads and they'll challenge each other. And uh, yeah, but that that's okay. That'll go away. How's 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 my favorite goat Wonder Woman doing? Uh, it is well. She gets up and sits around and spins around and is disappointed that you know blue culottes and a tiara don't pop on her head. But yeah, other yeah. than that. She's, um, she's doing well. Well, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. All right. So uh, this week, what are we talking about? To, to the last I checked, we were talking about uh, the Eater of Souls, Effigy of Hate. We're also going to be talking about monster types, including uh, giants, humanoids, magic <laughs> monsters, and oozes this week. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm a little confused. Okay. I am a little confused about, and I know this, the Eater of Souls. Yeah. So, so I am familiar with the Eater of Souls being a uh, Henry uh, Kuttner short story. Correct. That was published in Weird Tales. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, I would, I mean, it's Henry. We love Henry. Yeah. But I would say this set 
really firmly into the Dalothian of heresy. Okay. In fact, it has an elder god. Yeah. Vervandos, the <laughs> elder god. Ooh. Um, but, you know, and, and, you know, the eater of souls, you know, is like half demon and half god. But I don't see anywhere, and, and, and let, let's face it, you know, um, you know, Katner, he's up there. He's with Block, you know, he's with Daryl. He's yeah. part of that Lovecraft extended family. Sure. But I don't really tie it with Norlothotep. Did, okay. You know, did I miss something? Uh, it's it's considered an avatar of Norlothotep, a flying, uh, a flying weirdo creature. Um, let me, let me... And, and, and I think that came from Chaosium. I think Chaosium oh, yeah. tied the two. Okay. Okay. Because I, I and, and maybe I missed it, and I'm re reread the story, but I, I didn't see anywhere where, and, and we're going to get hate mail on this. But I didn't see where, where you know, uh, Kuttner tied it directly with the loss of death. Well, this, it, this... it's obvious. It's obviously part of mythos. Yeah. So it's not saying it can't be. No, no, no. But. Uh, what I'm gonna say is is uh, definitely based off of uh, Dan Harms, not Dan Harmon, uh, Dan Harms' book about the Cthulhu mythos, which is you know an encyclopedia. Is the Eater of Souls is an imposing man garbed as a pharaoh with a black golf in place of its face, and but I also like. Oh man, I, I I feel like anyone, any creature that has like maybe a physical imposing nature, or has any kind of mystic abilities, could call itself eater of souls. It's it's like calling yourself king of the beach. It's like I'm the eater of souls. It's like does that really matter? And it's used a lot. So it's been yeah. used a lot in video games and novels. So there are other people who have come in and added it or used it afterwards, too. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Even even the phrase like, I'll swallow your soul! I mean, that, that, that could be, you know, attributed to a eater of souls. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's... Uh, it's Eater of Souls just feels like Narlethotep. If it was an avatar of Narlethotep. Just it, got it, lazy. Isn't soul type of fish, too? Yeah, yeah. So, so well, maybe it's people who eat fish. Yeah, no, no, no. When, mm. when, when you, you know, it's a filet of soul. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, soul is a type of fish. And, uh, yeah, Eater of Souls. But also, they could be people who eat shoes, or just a very specific part of shoes. Yes, it could be. Correct. So, But, it, it, but it, it's a great story. The, the, the Kuttner is a great story. I, lo I love Kuttner's writings. Oh, no, 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 definitely. But I also want to say, uh, say to all of the uh, current writers out there who aren't Henry Kuttner, who aren't anyone else, Eater of Souls could be someone... An uh, avatar of Narlethotep who lives in a 
bowling alley. It could be. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of souls to eat in a bowling alley. But also, you know, um, eater of souls could be clergy. You could, like, treat it as some, like, kind of, like, gross Catholic priest who is preying upon people who is, you know, influenced by Narlathotep. You could do eater of souls as a um, Korean uh, barbecue place, eater of soul. Um <laughs> You could do a lot of stuff with this. You could do puns off of it. You could do anything. But Eater of Souls, I, I, I just feel like is this kind of like... There's so much you could do with it. Based off of soul, based off of soul, based off of soul, based off of soul. Um, You know, you could be like, oh yeah, no, I used to be named called Paul, but now I'm called Saul. Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> A little reverse there, but yeah, for our, our Christian listeners. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm going to assume that we are kind of the, talking about the, the Kuttner creature here. Sure, sure. And, and so one thing is, is he literally does drag the souls out. Yeah. And yeah, he keeps yeah. them like behind him. But as I remember, and, and honestly, it's been a while since I've read this story, that he is worshipped by hydromancers. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's sort of interesting is because, and I, I don't think this was written in 1937, so I don't think Derleth has gotten up his heresy yet. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's going to come a little bit where he starts putting them with elemental magic. Yeah. And he's going to associate uh, Narlothotep with Earth. Oh. But I would definitely say, because I think it's necromancers and uh, hydromancers that are kind of at fight sure. in, in, in this story. Um, so, you know, it could definitely, the hydromancers could be some sort of water elementist. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that. I like that concept a lot, Dave. That's that's really good. You should you should write an adventure about that kind of stuff. At least a module of some sort. It might be interesting. Yeah. There. Uh, d- definitely, we could add. It definitely could do a really good sort of. Uh, I think D and D, or maybe even you know, two D twenty Conan adventure. Oh sure, yeah. No, that would be amazing. That that would be a lot of fun. I. I would play that. <laughs> and you know how picky I am about games. I, there, there are things I will play and things I won't play. But yeah, no, I, I, I like that a lot. Um, and then there's the Effigy of Hate. Correct. Uh, once now extinct African tribe worshipped a mighty messenger in this form, which manifests itself through war totems. Uh, this winged monstrosity, its, its, its cultists relieve past battles and change the course of their history. And in Miskatonic Valley, uh, according to, uh, I, I can't remember the uh, writer's first name, but uh, Gillian, um, in Miskatonic Valley, th- there was a, uh, there, there's a book called Miskatonic Valley from the 80s, 
I know Keith Herber had something to do with it, and there's a bunch of other writers, too. Which was by Chaos and Me. It was a, a collection of adventures. Yeah, yeah, and there was a story about someone who was on the Confederate side who wanted to, you know, change the course of history. And there was an effigy of hate built in Arkham or Miskatonic Valley or something like that, which they were trying to change the course of history. But of course, it is up to the investigators to change things. Yeah. Yeah. You remember the old black and white Twilight Zone set place in the Civil War? Yeah. Where they come across all the, 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 the Confederates come across these Union troops frozen. Sure. And the and the wizard, you know, had used his magic to free them before Gettysburg. Yeah. And, and the, the Confederates throw the book in the fire and you say, Well, if the South is going to be uh kill, killed off, it's gonna be buried on, on sacred land. Uh-huh. And, and so that that reminds me of that. Oh sure, yeah. Also, there's a, a band called Effigy of Hate. Oh, that... Which I just came across, and I'm assuming I'm assuming they got their name from from this. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And any other band called Effigy of Hate, I would assume, is either based off of this or some sort of, like, neo-Nazi band. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to name any neo-Nazi bands, because... I don't want people to look that shit up. Nah. Yeah. And if you say them, they might come, so... Yeah, we'll yeah. I, but just but the remi- energy and hate, I believe, is like a winged worm with a horn in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also want to say, if anyone thinks that we are pro-Nazi or pro... any of that kind of shit, David Heath and I are not... Farmer Dave and the TV's DB also are not. We 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 are diametrically opposed to Nazi, neo-Nazi, fascism, and anti-Semitism, and we're we're not gonna like pretend that we're not to get more listeners or anything like that. We don't give a shit about that agenda, and we actively fight against it. Anyway. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry to speak for you, Dave, but I also know no, your politics. <laughs> so, when so I, when I, one of the happiest days of my life is when I got death threats from the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, same here, same here. Uh, I've I've gotten so many death threats because of this podcast and being like, we don't. I mean, I don't know what your death threats against the Ku Klux Klan were, but. I've had multiple uh, neo-Nazis threaten me because of my show. I only had one where I, where I wrote about uh, the time that Superman uh, mocked the Klan in the old radio shows. Oh, 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 oh. I got stuff because of that, but I also got stuff because of the fact that um, my former co-host, uh, Sarah Fee, um, my girlfriend was talking about the fact that she, you know, that Lovecraft was a racist. And we got so much stuff about that. It was insane. It's like I had talked about how Lovecraft was a racist, but until a woman had said it, it's like there were people who were very, very upset. And just just a reminder, um, I know how many people I've lost talking about this stuff, 
and I'm going to talk about it again. I don't want you listening if you're upset about that. I just want you to go away. Like, um, I don't know if I can say this on a podcast, but if you're a neo-Nazi or a fascist, you should just kill yourself because society doesn't want you and I don't want you listening. Anyway. Well, well I would say uh, you need to really sit down and, and rethink your, your values. But go ahead, and if you're a normal person, Go ahead and Google Stanton Kennedy. Exactly. I'm sorry. The man, who, the, man <laughs> the reporter who wrote the anti clan episodes of the 1946 Superman oh, fuck uh, yeah. radio show. Hell yeah. No, no that, that, that stuff's amazing. I love Superman against the clan. And I, I feel like the 70s did kind of a sh- or mid 80s did a shit job of that with Batman being like Batman versus cults. And white supremacy is like, it's a little too late, Batman. Everyone knows your family's rich. Everyone knows that, you know, you uh, keep Gotham a certain, um, I don't know. But there's not people of color fighting against Batman, generally. That is true. Why is that, Batman? (laughs) Why is that... Bruce Wayne. Anyway, uh, that's not what the show is about. Um, so, let's talk about the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Okay. Uh, it's it's the reason that both of the uh, weekend episodes are coming out at the same time. And it's also the reason that uh, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about this week. Yes. Yes. So you didn't get a chance to see any any shows yet, correct? I or... only got a chance to see secret shows and the streaming stuff. Oh, okay. So did you see? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to say that one of the best things that I saw, and I I only watched the shorts this year. Sure. Was a Spanish language with subtitles. The girl in the rift. Ooh, that sounds cool. So um. Without um, spoiling the stories, um, and there, there's definitely some I think uh, uh, Lovecraftian aspects of it. I mean, it was in the 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 film uh, uh, the Lovecraft Film Festival, but this woman is stuck in a time loop oh, with no. her best friend and her boyfriend, her best friend's boyfriend, and her the boyfriend's uncle. Oh, and geez. she's trying to basically... Um, Wait, is, break... is this the Time Traveler's Dilemma? Uh, you mean, I don't... The general question? Or... No, 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 no. Is, is, is the name of the movie the Time Traveler? No, the Tra- Girl on the Rift. Oh, the okay, okay. Because there's also one called Time Traveler's Dilemma. Which I didn't get to see. I didn't get to see it either. I tried to I, see it. I, I even had... And this one was Spanish language. But it, but oh, it, wow. it's... Uh, yeah, you've got to see it. It involves time. But not necessarily time traveling as we understand. Or we think of it usually like in fiction. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I, I saw one called The Sleep Machine that messed my stuff up 
It's about a guy who has problems sleeping. He finds a sleep apnea machine in an alley, and madness ensues. And I don't really want to talk about stuff, but it felt really personal. Um, it felt like my... Um, Oh God! What do you call it? Uh, CPAP. My my sleep demons uh, oh. were were there. It it oh man, it, it 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 felt a little too personal based off of my last marriage or my first marriage, my only marriage, uh, and it it just like really 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 made me go. Oh man, this has messed me up. I needed a couple of days to think about this. And that's why I sometimes miss some of the movies at the HPL uh, Film Festival is the fact that they're like, I don't know, I suffer from mental illness and anxiety and a bunch of other stuff. And sometimes stuff I find triggering. And it's really cool when Gwen Callahan and Brian Callahan say, hey, um... This particular film might be triggering for people who have dealt with A, B, C, and D. And yeah. then I'll go outside yeah. and I'll chat with Brian. He's like, hey, how's the show? And I'm like, ah, oh, it's pretty good, except for this movie is triggered A, B, C, but not D. And he's like, oh, cool, what are you up to now? And then I'll be like, I'm catching my Uber. Smell you later. But, you know, Brian doesn't smell. He's, he's a well-kept guy, and... Gwen's awesome as well, and I volunteered this year. I did the VIP dinners catering, got to talk with everyone. I also was at the Kickstarter, so the pale ginger person who you saw at Kickstarter, that was me. I also was on two panels. Yes, and, you were. Um, hey, one one quick more throw out. For oh, sure, yeah. Um, it, it's a documentary. It's a short documentary about the only H.P. Lovecraft story set in Ireland. Oh. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft and the Moonbog. Oh, Quite yeah, a few yeah, yeah, different, yeah. Uh, Irish uh, scholars, and they they talk about it. It's just an amazing documentary. Yeah. Hey, and it's only about 10 minutes or so. Were you on any other panels other than the ones that uh, you and I were on? No. Okay. No, I was, we were just the... the t the two that we did together, and sure. then the the uh, the the uh, screening panel. Okay, well, um, there was uh, a Our streaming panel. A bunch of stuff that happened this weekend. I'm like grabbing my packs of uh, matches and stuff. There was some stuff that went off at the Liftoff Lounge in Portland, Oregon. If you have a chance to go to the Liftoff Lounge, I highly recommend it. I got a Rainier beer. Uh, a shot of Old Tom uh, gin, which is like kind of like the old-style dark gin, which I love better than regular gin. I also got a chicken sandwich the size of Scott Glancy's face. Was which, it? What, did it have dark meat? It was a chicken breast that was pounded uh, and then like coated in cornflakes, I believe. And then deep fried. It was amazing. Uh, emphasis on maize. Amazing. Because cornflakes. And I, I, I got to uh, talk to all of my, my good friends uh, that have been on the show in the past. 
uh, I, I, I told a story to uh, Jeffrey Combs, and I can't remember his first name, but, you know, he's Skip. He's Skip. Uh, he's, he's one of those dickheads, like, um, not to be, like, calling someone a dickhead, like a jerk, but, like, Philip K. Dick um, mm. aficionados, uh, like Cody Goodfellow. So I was telling Skip and Goodfellow, just to use last names, uh, and, like, uh, Jeffrey Combs had left, and Skip was talking to Jeffrey Combs about uh, Edgefield in Troutdale, Oregon, and I was uh, telling Skip about the fact that my great-great-grandfather was uh, buried at Edgefield, and mm. that, like, he abandoned his family and moved out west, and no one ever knew what happened to him, and just in the last few years, we found that he ended up at the poorhouse in Edgefield, and then Cody Goodfellow uh, was, like, grabbed me by the shoulder, and he's like, Spitzer, because that's what Goodfellow calls me. He calls me Spitzer. Which, um, honestly, I would much rather people call me Spitzer than DB or anything else. But, you know, for this show, Dave calls me DB because that's what I respond to when Dave calls me. And uh, he was like, Spitzer, I, I stayed in a room that had a story about your grandfather painted on the wall. Because that's something that Edgefield does. Like, people who died at the board the poor house they have like stories in every room or people who built something there whatever it's it's edgefield uh it's it's mcminimins they do that at all of their various uh hotels restaurants throughout the pacific northwest so if you come out of the pacific northwest you stay in edgefield you're gonna run across that shit so cody proceeded to tell me that he stayed in a room where they talked about my grandfather and no. the fact that he was a diamond thief, and he oh. died at Edgefield due to con uh, constipation, and then he grabbed me by the shoulders and shook me, and he was like, Spencer, we gotta dig up your granddad! There's diamonds in his ass! There's diamonds in his ass! And it was the most Cody Goodfellow thing that I'd ever experienced in my life. He shook me, and uh, Jesse, who was uh, a volunteer, was like, that was the most Rick and Morty thing I've ever seen in my goddamn life. And I agreed, because, like, for a brief moment there, I was, I was terrified for my life that Cody Goodfellow might shake me to death and make me dig or up... Or take you to Edgefield. Or take me to Edgefield and make me dig up my great-great-grandfather. But anyway, it was a lot of fun. Uh... I had a lot of fun with Cody later. Uh, got to hang out with Scott Glancy, Ken Height, a uh, bunch of other people. Nick the Hat. Um, there's some people who weren't there this year, and we miss Ross Lockhart, and we miss, uh, you know, everyone at Hippocampus Press. You know, Hussey's awesome, and you know, there's a bunch of people that we didn't see, but there was like a surprise appearance by St. Joshi. At the, I, I heard that, but I didn't see him. At the Carbo Load for Cthulhu, S.T. Joshi showed up and read some uh, poems for his friend. Oh, nice. And, you know, you know whatever you feel about S.T. Joshi is on you, and, you know, whatever you feel about various people in the Cthulhu mythos, that's, that's up to you and your politics. But it was really cool to see him. Um, yeah, I know, I, I know for a fact I've, I've talked shit about S.T. Joshi in the past, um, 
but also he's a scholar of the Cthulhu mythos. And, you know, no matter what I've had to say about him in the past, based off of stuff that he said, um, it was cool to see him, and it was really cool to hear him read one of his friend's poetry. So, so, so I have a, a Joshi story. Go for it. So about three or four years ago, he was at signing books, and I was there. Sure. And uh, I had uh, The Rise and Fall and Rise of the Cthulhu Mythos. Sure. And, and, and I told him... You know, um, I think you're about 80% right. Uh-huh. And, and he said, you know, that's, you know, I'm glad you feel that way. But he says, all I really care is that you thought about it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And, and, and that's, 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 that's a lot of how I feel about Joshi, is I love the fact that Joshi's out there telling people, this shit matters. This shit is something to think about. Um, this stuff is the Cthulhu mythos, and whether or not you think Lovecraft is a piece of shit, whether or not you think any of the writers suck, or the producers, publishers, whatever, you're out there, you love it, and it makes you think. And, I mean, that's that's like one of the reasons I even formed this podcast, is because the fact that there's so much out there for people to care about and like and love, and I just, that's what I want for everyone is to have a fandom that they can like. And that's what I want for the Cthulhu Mythos, honestly. Just to... I, I feel like, you know, the... I the, wanted to go back to dental school. I'm uh, very disappointed that you left dental school, I, Cthulhu Mythos. You know, I, I'm the proud... I'm, I'm, I'm the proud nephew of the Cthulhu Mythos, and I'm like, I, I just think everything you've done is so cool, and I've always looked up to you... And, you know, there's been some shitty parts in the past, and you've worked through it. But Cthulhu Mythos, I'm so proud of you, and I support you. And I want to be f- there for you in the future. I'm, I am I feel like I'm the nephew, the great-grandnephew of the Cthulhu Mythos. And I just want to be there, and I just want to support you, and I just want to help you in any way I can. I'm broke as hell, but you know what? I'll show up to your convention, and I, I will you know, tell people where they can get their Kickstarter and where they can recycle their cans. And no, this this is not a functioning bar. This is just where people can ask questions. And why don't you take a pin? Yes, it does say People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Yes, it does say uh, Radio Free Oleander, because, you know, um, this, this, this podcast still is Radio Free Oleander. It's just... Um, that show doesn't exist anymore, and it's been changed back to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. We're still working out of the radio stations in Oleander, and Oleander is still a real place. But, Dave, what's been going on in Oleander these days? So it's just, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're doing well. We're uh, getting ready for, you know... Uh... The president of the United States is visiting us. Yeah, they say Portland, but this because no one knows where Oleander is, and sure. you know, he's going to come here and make important decisions and talk to our barn cats because the president of the United States has talked to barn cats and Oleander since Reagan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, and also uh, Oleander is an important place. Uh, Oleander is like okay, Oregon 
is like Ohio when it comes to presidents. Like, more cat presidents for North America come out of Oregon than anywhere else, except for maybe Maine. Yeah. 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 And uh, it's like Maine and Oregon are the two places that cats come from when it comes to, like, cat presidents. But, you know, no, no, it's really cool. It's really cool that the president is coming to Oregon not only to talk to cats, but to talk to people. Um, anything cool and exciting going on? I, I've been out of town for a while. I've been uh, of- well, you know, um, like I said, it, it's been it's been pretty busy uh, here. We're just, uh, you know, going back about our, our daily things. Yeah. You know, where you can go to uh, the uh, Lumberjack uh, Bikini Barista and sure. have a huge giant Frenchman in a Speedo make you your your mocha latte light or whatever I know I I, 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 I I just go over there and I'm like hey Lars give me an Americano high five throw a buck uh, take my e-scooter back to the studio and um, get some stuff done but I mean like I've been so crazy busy up in Portland for the last three weeks um, like I have no idea what those um, I my guess is that they're witches still. Those 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 red haired ladies who have the last name Oleander, red haired, blue eyed, they have their own special club. And uh this 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 just may be kind of like previously on, but um I I don't know them well enough. They're they're kinda mean to me. And um something I have to say is Pinky Tuscadero looks a bit like them. Is uh, Pinky also an Oleander? Well, yes, she is our... So we don't have a doctor in Oleander, so Pinky is our our veterinarian. Sure, sure. But is she related to the Oleanders? I don't think so. I will ask her next time I see her. Okay. I I, I have some... uh, serious questions about this town i'm starting to realize it's like uh the 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 mayor's uh kind of scary we've we've got uh a family of who i'm guessing might be witches or or at least magic users uh controlling the town possibly we just got rid of the 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 fog that kept people out of downtown even though i used to be able to walk around the fog without any issues it it was like the town felt like it was poisonous but i never had that problem and i'm 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 just starting to realize maybe there's some magic going on in town but i could be totally wrong i could be totally totally wrong so 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 i i really think that you're confused chaotic random psychic energy with magic totally different thing okay 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 that that does make sense that does make sense i i'm just using magic as a schedule okay because my favorite comic book store is by appointment only by a a a uh woman who claims to be a witch and an oleander but I also think Catherine's crazy. I I think um, 
Miss Oleander. Oh, goodness. I can't even remember her first name. I just... Bellamy? Yes. I always call her Miss Oleander just because of the fact that, you know, she dresses fancy. She walks around town in, like, fancy gowns and stuff. Um, I just call her Miss Oleander. But her cousin, Catherine, is... Who runs the comic book store? Um, Oh, shoot. I forget that this is, like, public radio sometimes um is an amazing person and i love my 20 percent discount on comic books and uh role-playing games at her store the uh droid ovulette so yeah and, and your pull box uh i never pay for it um I, I, I just pull stuff out of it occasionally, and then she's like, what do you want? You just want me to put this stuff back? And I'm like, maybe. But yeah, no. Um, If you get a box at a comic book store, you should pay for everything in your box. Don't be like me and just be like, mm, I don't like that anymore. If they're putting stuff in your box, pay for it. If they're not putting anything in your box, don't worry about it. But, you know. Um... That's that's how comic book stores run, is the people who prepay for things or the people who check stuff off. Um, I'm a bad comic book store customer. I, uh-huh. I, I mostly just, you know, pick and choose and be like, oh, I don't want that anymore. I just want role-playing games. I'm done with comic books. And then uh, Catherine uh, has, like, told me I can't check off comic book stuff five times in the last two years um yeah no no no. it's 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 i love droid obulet it's the best comic book store in oleander i mean yeah i'm 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 a i'm a fan of comic chameleon but that's i know i know comic chameleon is really awesome but i feel like Catherine has this magical power I got a copy of Delta Green Countdown for twenty bucks there. Mm. Um, I don't look it up on 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 uh, eBay or any of that stuff. I've gotten some really cool stuff for like a really 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 cheap price, but I also feel like because of that, I I have to feel obligated about talking about it, saying nice things. Yeah, yeah. But also, at the same time, it's like their comic books and their figurines and the videos that they rent there are not in my particular taste. They should belong in a museum. They should belong in a museum, yes. No, 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 it's, it's, it's just like everything. It's, it's a lot of like magical girl stuff in the videos and it's a lot of like the comic books. It's it's okay. It's like the role playing game stuff is all centered towards me, but it's like the videos and the comic books are like centered towards teenagers, which I'm not. So it's just like I don't know. It's just not for me. But I do get comic books over at uh, Comic Chameleon because they have a much better uh, selection of graphic... A lot more indie stuff. Yeah, a lot more uh, better selection of indie stuff and graphic novels. They've got a lot of fantagraphic stuff. 
Um, I really like the Dan Klaus selection. I got a copy of the 8-Ball, like, full collection for, uh, like, $92. And it's, like, I think 150 now, generally. And it's... It, it, if you're an Oleander, definitely go to Comic Chameleon. Um, oh, 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 oh. Also, um, my brain's not working right now. Uh, go to my favorite bar, um, Oblivion's. Oblivion? And um, they have local artists. Some of the bartenders have been putting out a... A comic book that they've been drawing and xeroxing themselves and printing out just making fun of the populace of oleander and i'm in there at least twice so go into oblivions pick up a comic book there uh, and also they've got this thing where uh they have five bottles of jameson's and like the first bottle is like uh, $5 a shot, and as it goes down, it's like less and less and less until it gets down to 50 cents a shot. But it's... People have to point at those bottles. And as it goes down, uh, you get bottles, you get to sign those bottles, and yeah, no. So It's like a secret menu? It's a secret menu, but um, I'm just saying Jameson's because that's like a brand that pops into my head, but it's like generally not like something that you generally want to drink, but also is high alcohol, like something that you splash into something. Um, and I'm not going to name names right now, but anyway, um, so if you want a Negroni and you want it uh, cheap, go to Oblivion's. So, Yes. We are now talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, we are. So, my quick question for you is, do you have a favorite class? I mean, do you have a favorite monster type? Um, so, and it's one of those questions you ask me on Thursday what my favorite food is, I'll say tacos. And you sure. ask me on Saturday, I'll say lasagna. Uh, you know what? I, I like... I like goblinoids. Okay. Uh, and you can, you can, the thing is, you can start off as first level, or you can just make them real powerful, put levels on them and, and make them a challenge for your 20 level. Sure. So, so I like goblinoids in general. Okay. I mean, I, I think I'm pretty much uh, well known for liking uh, aberrations and fiends. And As one does undead, especially the undead. But well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't. The, the I have the I only have one problem with the undead. Sure, it's if I'm a uh, if I'm a DM. Yeah, the clerics just slice through them. You got you got to modify it. You got to sort of raise up their level and give them magic items so that it, they don't get turned as quickly. I just like to swarm my clerics with the undead but we'll get into that uh i think next week because this week we're doing 
Giants. No, wait a minute. Did we do Giants last week? I believe we're doing Giants this week. Giants. As well as Humanoids. Goblinoids and monstrous monstrosities. And, and I think maybe ooze. You know what? One, two, three, four. I think we're going to st- uh, keep oozes for next week. So okay. Yeah. Because I have a lot to say about plants, oozes, and the undead. Maybe okay. maybe we'll get an expert on oozes, plants, or the undead next week. Ooh. Yeah. Ooze. So, we're talking about giants. Giants tower over humans and their kind. They're uh, human-like in shape, although some have multiple heads or um, deformities or, like, only one eye or are hunchbacked because they live in caves or anything like that. But, like, giants are generally just... Giant humanoids. Dave, anything you have to say about giants? Well, and the thing is that there is there are giants in every mythology. Yeah. Not only in mythology, but it even, you know, it, it even talks about giants in, you know, the Bible. If sure. You want to say Goliath. Yeah. Um, and, and there is this huge, you know, Change. I mean, there's so much you can go through. You know, Titans, which are like about as close to gods. Titans yeah. can now be celestial uh, uh, patrons, I believe, mm-hmm. for warlocks. Yeah. For warlocks, you've got the ice giant, the fire giant. Um, you know, and you've got the cyclops. So they, uh, the fomori, which are kind of like mean hill giants. Yeah. So there's so much, I think, even though when we think of it, we think of cloud giants maybe or mm-hmm. or possibly, or mainly I think we think of hill giants, but there's yeah. a lot. Yeah, Yeah. no, no, no. I, 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 we've got stories like Jack and the Beanstalk, um, like for like, I don't know, uh, our, our Anglo-Saxon files, uh, you know. Fee, fi, fo, fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. Um, like, that's something that always sticks out in people's heads when they think of giants. Also, like, tall tales. Uh, even an ogre. Oh, even... An ogre's a small giant. An ogre is a very small giant. But yeah, no, it's, 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 it's like, you could say, like, any humanoid of a certain size class could be considered a giant. But I also feel like giants have like kind of like almost an elemental aspect to them. In some cases, like you have storm giants, hill giants, stone giants, reef giants. I mean, it's it's like different environments have different types of giants. But the, uh, the giant kin, you know, are like near giants, and that includes uh, the fur blogs now, which are one yeah. of the more popular, I yeah, think, yeah. Uh, PC races. Sure, sure. As, as, I mean, once you get outside the main, you know, dwarf, elf, humans, yeah, yeah. I think it's one of the more uh, used exotic races. Mm-hmm. In the Dark Sun uh, campaign setting, half giants were totally, like, really a super cool race to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
it, and and I I remember playing both RPGs on PC and being super excited. Not only could I play Three Cream, but I could also play Half Giants. But yeah, uh, Giants are cool. Um, not only as a foe that like you can use as an elemental, like a humanoid who has like kind of like oh. I'm part of this ecology. Oh, I'm part of that ecology. It's like, um, you know, giants can just show up wherever and they have their own special abilities based off of where they're from. And I, I really think uh, giants are really kind of an awesome mini boss. Like kind of like uh, before you get to like the powerful elementals in an area, it's like you have giants who are like, this is the only... Uh, ecology that I can exist in. I'm going to fight for my defense. So, or I'm, you know, I'm oppressing people in this area, so I'm going to fight to keep on oppressing people and getting their gold or food or meat or whatever. And yeah, no, no, giants are cool as or, they... Or you could, you could even throw into the mix and, sure. and make them an undead. Oh, giant skeletons! Giant you know. skeletons, those are cool. And you giant get the... vampire giants that need to like a, a huge river of blood each year. Yikes! That's or, that's uh, scary. Or, uh, a, a giant lich. Ooh. Oh man! Now or you're even, talking my language. Or even you know, giant zombies. Yeah. Giant zombies are scary. Yes, they are. Yeah, no, no. Uh, like a huge zombie, a colossus zombie, any of that stuff. Like, even a large zombie is scary. And then you throw, like, a horde of even large zombies. Even, okay, and yeah, no, I'm, I'm not even going to go into that conversation right now. But a bunch of giant zombies. I mean, that's, that's Attack on Titan right there. Yeah. Or maybe it's giant ghouls. I don't know what to go with. But yeah, no, that's scary as hell. So after giants, what are we else are we talking about? Well, after giants being scary as hell, oh, wrong book. So uh, we've got giants. Oh, your favorite, Dave. Goblinoids. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've, uh, goblins and goblin kin and hobgoblins. I think they make they make such great um, cannon spotter. Yeah, no, no, and like orcs, gnolls, lizard folk, and kobolds are also part of this category. Even though I feel like kobolds should be like part of dragons, but like kind of like a servant. Like I, I feel like each class should have a servitor race, but maybe that's just because of I've played Call of Cthulhu for so many years. And, and kobolds have sort of changed. Have you yeah. ever seen like the pictures in the first edition? They were like dogs. Exactly. They were like little dog people. Lizardoid. And it was like between second and third edition they went from being like little dog people to little dragon people. E exactly. Yeah. But yeah, no, goblinoids are... Huh, I, I feel like 
in a lot of ways, goblinoids are just there for the PCs to have someone to beat up against. But you can change that as a DM, GM, whatever. And not just have goblinoids as, like, the reason to be a jerk to a bunch of indigenous people. Or be like, oh, we gotta go into this dungeon because it's full of goblins. Like, you can just have your person be like, oh, I'm gonna go into this dungeon. Oh, shit, there's a bunch of goblins in there. How am I gonna deal with this? Because... There's far more goblins than me, and even if I sneak through and pick everyone off, there's, like, goblins everywhere. This is not gonna be doable. And you can't see me, but I'm, like, pointing fingers at fingers from different positions, being like, oh, shoot, anywhere I go, there's a goblin with a mini crossbow, or there's a goblin with a short bow, or there's a goblin who's a, clearly a magic user. Like, goblins aren't stupid. Goblinoids are not stupid. They're just considered more savage and brutal than humano uh, humanoids. But honestly, goblins are humanoid. They're just... I don't know. I kind of feel like goblins should be included with humanoids in a lot of aspects, except for the fact that, um, yeah, no, no, I'm just going to say, the difference between goblins and humanoids is kind of racist, and goblins, hobgoblins, bugbears, orcs, gnolls, lizard folk, and kobolds should be part of humanoids. Yeah, honestly, I, I, I think it is a sort of a subspace uh, of humanoids in the same way that elves are dwarves. Yeah, yeah. And let me just hop into the next concept that we're supposed to be talking about. Humanoids are the main peoples in a fantasy gaming world, both civilized and savage, including humans and tremendous variety of other species. They have language and culture, few if any magical abilities, and are in bipedal form, and most common humanoid races are the ones suitable for player characters. Because so, they have opposable thumbs. Uh, so do kobolds, orcs, bugbears, hobgoblins, lizard folk, and kobolds. And, and, and goblins. It's, it's, I don't know, it feels kind of shitty to, like, separate goblins from humanoids. It's like... Mm -hmm. So my half orc character are they goblin or are they humanoid? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not so, trying to so, like. So they used to have a, stir a demi shit up. human. Yeah. The the demi humans I think disappeared around the third, where you know there was the dwarves and the elves and the gnomes, and, and the main thing and the half orcs. The main thing with the demi human was they were player playable races. Yeah. But honestly, what's the difference between a gnome? and a kobold when it comes to, like, stats and, like, abilities and stuff like that. I don't feel like there's really much a difference. And it's, like, bugbears, hobgoblins, humans, half-orcs, orcs. It's it's all the same, and it's, like, goblins. It's, it's... I don't really think there should be a difference between humanoid and goblinoid. And if, like, your ranger character makes a distinction between the two... Um, maybe rethink your ranger character. Maybe you're a little bit more Green Lantern than Green Arrow in that aspect. Just yeah. saying. 
just uh, and I saying. think maybe the big thing is that it was new people were brought on in different times. Sure. And so I, I, I think it tends to be more of a uh, not not fantastic racism. It's just that different people use different terms when they were in charge of projects than, say, the last people or the people next that are going to take over the project. Oh, when it comes to orcs, goblins, um, versus humans and elves, I always feel like it's fantastic racism. It's like, it's, uh, like, other people in the past have, like, said, oh, this is this and this is this, and it's like, I've always been yucked out when people are like, oh, uh, orcs have body parts like this, and elves have body parts like that, or, like, weird stuff like that, and it's like, don't throw your weird racist garbage onto, like, fantasy characters. Don't say that, you know, oh, orcs are this nationality, and elves are this nation. It's it's garbage. And, and I think that's something the, I mean, there has to be sort of rules just so that you know where to look in the book. Oh, sure, yeah. And, and, and there, you're going to want to make rules with, um, how spells affect undead, things like that. Oh, no, but no, But no. I think that's one thing that yeah. they've written pretty well on 5e is that they can't say there is no evil races. Okay. There may be races that tend towards evil, Yeah. but that there is no innate evil races anymore. Yeah, no, no. And I feel like there's a definite difference between aberrations, beasts, celestials, constructs, dragons, elementals, the fays, the fiends, the giants. But goblins and humanoids are honestly the same thing. And it's just kind of this arbitrary kind of like maybe, I don't want to say, it's like fantasy racism of like keeping goblinoids and humanoids different. And it's like oozes, plants, undead. I mean, yeah, no, there's a definite difference between those, but like humanoids and goblinoids, and this is just me. And even giants, like, I understand how there's like a size difference, but you can just say there's a size difference, but giants, goblinoids, humanoids, they're all like from the prime material plane, they're all humanoid, they're just all different sizes. It's like, I can't say that an aberration and a beast and a celestial and a construct and an elemental and a fey and a fiend. Like, I can maybe argue that fiends and celestials are pretty much the same thing. They're just from a different part. Two sides of the same coin. Two sides of the same coin, exactly. And, you know, maybe I could say beasts and monstrosity monstrosities are kind of the same thing, except for uh, one's a little bit more magical than the other. But it's like, of all the things that I can say, these are the same thing. They're from the same prime material plane. They're from the same... Like, you can have all three happen on the same planet. They have the same body structure. It's just different, different sizes. And that's the uh, giant goblinoid and humanoids. Yeah. And that's that's just something that's like you should just say humanoid and put size differences. Oh wait a minute, D and D already has size differences. It's like I can't imagine that goblins, giants, and humanoids have 
any massive difference between each other except for the fact that, you know, it's like more goblinoids can attack a giant than giants can attack a goblinoid. Yeah. 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 I mean, you're right. Once you bring in sort of like, you know, sizes in, it's kind of a moot point. Yeah. I think the only there is for, for the index. Yeah, no, no. It's easy to find things in the index. I I feel like it is part of the index, and also for, like, stories and stuff like that, you have to be like, okay, so this type of city is totally about humanoids, this type of city is all about goblins, and this type of city is all about giants, and it's just size-based. But, you know, that's for the size queens out there. Um, Next, we're talking about monstrous monstrosities. They're, They're monsters in the strictest sense frightening creatures that are not ordinary, not truly natural. We're, we're talking about, like, displacer beasts, and, like, what else can you think of when you think of, like, uh, monstrous monstrosities, Dave? Um, so I think, and, and this may be uh, wrong, but I think of um, Yeti. Yeti? Let me let me look up in my my book of books. Yeah, yeah, Yeti's there. Yeti's there. Yeti, and, and because I live in you know northern Oregon, I think of uh, uh, you know the Yeti's uh, cousin Sasquatch. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but you also got some very classical monsters, I think, such as uh, Matacors, uh, Minotaurs, Chimera. Owl bears, rust monsters. I love rust monsters. Rust monsters are amazing to throw at an adventure party, especially if, um, like, right around fifth level when they've worked so hard for their, like, um, good armor, and then just throw a rust monster in there to be like, oh, nice plate mail, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've seen, yeah, I've seen, um, uh, you know, warriors that would take on a huge dragon and they'll just run screaming from rust monsters. Yeah, no, no. Or or if you have, like, a roper in a dungeon. Um, yeah, and, and, and you can give, like, magical abilities because some of these creatures are not stupid. Like, you could give magical abilities to, say, like, a minotaur or a roper. You could, um, like, oh, man. Uh, um, a medusa. A medusa. There's 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 so many cool things that are part. Like, bullets are a part of this. And centaurs. And cockatrices. And, oh, man, it's it's... All the cool monsters that do things, that have, like, a secondary magical ability, not only just being, like, a warrior humanoid of some sort. Like, like a Medusa could probably totally waste your party, not only with her um, magical abilities, but I imagine a Medusa with, like, a short bow could, like, make short work of an adventuring party without ever having to use her magical abilities. And that's what I feel about, like, a lot of these creatures. Um, Their magical ability is cool, but you're probably not ever going to have to deal with it because of the fact that uh, your 5th or 12th level party is just going to get, like, ran over. Like, 
if you had like uh, three bunyips, I mean, you're done. You're done. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's like, uh, there's, there's, there's certain characters that like, uh, certain creatures like crabmen, deep ones. It's like a lot of like Cthulhu mythos kind of like, uh, servitor races you're going to find here, but also like hippogriffs and griffins and kaijus of various sorts. A lot of composite monsters yeah. from the Greek mythology yeah minotaurs and nagas um aurochs uh sphinxes uh even phoenixes um probably one of the worst defeats i ever had in dungeons and dragons was against a uh lesser phoenix and it was uh um there, there was a bit of confusion, and yeah, we got wasted by a lesser phoenix. Um, yeah, that's okay. We'll tell everybody it was a greater phoenix. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I am very proud to say that my, my, uh, gush. I, I want to say fifth level party got wasted by a lesser phoenix, but we, we did pretty good. We almost, we almost took it out, but yeah, no, a party got wasted by. Lesser Phoenix. Um, we also had to deal with a bunch of other stuff going into that. But yeah, no, monstrous monstrosities are kind of like the bread and butter of D&D, &D, except for goblinoids and dragons. But yeah, no, no, no. It's like they're a good part of random encounters. Like if you want to have a good random encounter, um monstrous monstrosities or just monsters in general are like so fun for that because you could do a random encounter and you might have a i don't know uh edder cap in your dungeon or a um, a shocker lizard yeah yeah or a grick or who knows and you could use them in a lot of different environments because honestly monstrous monstrosities some of them are smart enough to be their own adventurers or their own wizards you know some of them know no spells and if you have someone or you have a adventurer monstrous monstrosity it might be thought of as a monster who's just going around doing evil things and not being an adventurer like say if you had a griffin who had something that it was going out to do in the world, some people might be like, oh no, this, this, um, this, uh, fanged creature that flies, like, broke into our library and took a book. And then you have to go sort out a griffin who's just like, no, no, I'm stealing books because they're too powerful for a bunch of dumb, hairless monkeys. And, uh,. Hey, speaking of dumb, hairless monkeys, I need someone to go get this from over there that I read about in this book. It's like, you can do stuff with monstrous monstrosities other than just have them be someone to fight. They could be your adventure hook. They could be your uh, fixer in your campaign. They could be like 
someone who gives you jobs. They could be the person who helps you out with stuff. They could, they could be the messenger. Yeah, yeah. They could be the big bad, but they could also be the hero that saves you at the end. Like, you meet, I don't know, uh, say you become friends with a Minotaur or a Medusa or a Naga or, you know, Owlbear or whatever. Uh, who's highly intelligent and like, oh, yes, well, I need you to do this and I need you to do that. And, you know, they're, at the very end, they're the ones who go, oh, yeah, and bust through the wall and, like, eat the bad guy so that you don't have to dirty your hands. And you go, hey, here's the thing you want. And they're like, I know I was worried about you, so I broke in. Anyway. Yeah, no, no, they, they, they could also, yeah, and... You know, even and it's not quite monsters, sure. Uh, but even Tolkien used that with the giant eagles. Yeah, he rescues you know the party in just the next time. So yeah, the the monsters could be, you know, what rescued the party just right before, uh, you know, a TPK. You know who's included in uh, the monsters? Night Gaunts. Night Gaunts, okay. Yeah, Night I was Gaunt. looking at a uh, 5e, and there's like Night Gaunts and Deep Ones, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of Lovecraftian creatures on the uh, 5esrd.com, which is just kind of uh, this, it's it's the resource I use for when like mm-hmm. checking up on stuff, because it's easy to scroll through, and I was like, whoa, Night Gaunts, but I also know that I've seen like Deep Ones, but. Yeah, there's so many cool things, like rocks. I I I forgot that rocks and uh, royal nagas and rock crawlers and like there's so many cool things to like dig through. I mean, it's it's yeah no, it, this is not a paid ad. I'm just saying five e s r d dot com has some really cool stuff. If you are a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons player. If you're a DM, like, this is an awesome, awesome, awesome resource. It's what I use for stuff. Um, 5ESWSRD, I think, is, like, the Star Wars one that I used. But, yeah, no, this is, it's it's so cool. Uh, Do we have anything else, Dave, or are we done? Are we saving oozes for next week? We're saving oozes for next week to go with oozes. Then we are. Then we've pretty much covered everything here. Yeah, I also kind of feel like undead meets plants. That's what that's that's where oozes coming from, but not really. I know they're their own separate thing. So, Dave, what did you learn this week? Uh, so I learned quite a bit about. A manga, yeah, in uh, uh, Cthulian manga, uh, from Gretchen, who was on our panel. Oh, Gretchen Martin, yeah, yes. yeah, she's uh, a guest on multiple multiple podcasts. Yeah, no, no, uh, and, and, and will be hopefully by the end of the year yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, no, I I learned, um. Let me think. I I did a bunch of stuff for a film festival. Did huge amounts of research for Dungeons and Dragons. I I I I talked to a bunch of like weird fiction celebrities and game designers. I I 
did a bunch of stuff for catering, did a bunch of stuff like handing out Kickstarter. I'm going to say I learned absolutely nothing that I didn't know before. And yeah, no, I just had fun. I just had fun. I didn't learn anything this week. I haven't learned anything in weeks. I've just had fun. And that's, that's okay. It's, sometimes it's okay not to learn anything and just have fun. But if you get in trouble when you're having fun, learn something from it. Like if you're playing D&D and you come into trouble. Yeah, try to learn something new every day. That's, that's my goal. Yeah, I, I try to learn something new every day and I'm struggling because I know so much. But, you know, if uh, you have a DM that keeps throwing things at you, of a certain type, learn that that's what the DM likes to throw at you. Like, if I'm your DM, you're going to have to deal with oozes, the undead, and, uh, dragons. Dragons? Goblinoids. I mean... Oozing, oozing undead dragons? Yeah, oozing undead. I I like to, I like to combine things. But I also do, uh, pretty much aberrations, undead, oozes and dragons which I throw kobolds into because kobolds should be considered dragons not goblinoids in my opinion and that's just a bunch of like leftover stuff from second edition um but yeah no 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 I also want to say um I had a really good weekend at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival because I brought copper cow coffee and psychedelic water with me uh one to chill me out one to pick me up so it was kind of like a podcast speedball going on (laughs) so i had uh legal psychedelics to bring me down when i got too hyped up on the copper cow uh and if you're looking for a third thing to throw in that mix i want to say that there is some really good chocolate out of Somerset, Massachusetts. You can look in our show notes for that and find out what it is. But it's Tazza Chocolates. Not Tazo Tea, but Tazza Chocolates. Uh, Tazo Tea is uh, merely a subsidiary of Starbucks and has been since the 90s. So if you think Tazo Tea is something... I just learned something new then. Oh, Okay. Um, I remember when Tazo Tea was like its own thing and then like the owners came into my store because it was a Portland thing and they're like, we just got bought by Starbucks. I'm like, cool, um, former employees of the same natural food store. Do you want to buy something or do you just want to yell at me? And uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Um, yeah, Copper Cow, Tazo Tea. <laughs> Tacid chocolates, not Tazo tea. Um, we have so many good products that we like to shout out here. And I want to say, um, check out pgttcm.com. Check out our sponsors, our store, Dave's Corner of the podcast, and uh, everything we've got going on there. And on top of it, we also have Facebook. We have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have YouTube, 
and you can see me fight zombies or build settlements or whatever. Um, maybe play Fallout. Bunch of dumb stuff on top of our uh, weekly podcast that we cast out onto YouTube. And yeah, our daily podcast is all about pulp fiction, um, pulp science, pulp horror, the old pulps, and sometimes, uh, currently it's all about the old pulps, and a lot of times we have like things like the original Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, or other stories that Mary, uh, Mary Shelley has written, or other stories by a bunch of other people. We have an amazing backlog of short stories that you can listen to, serialized for your pleasure. Dave, anything we quite, say? Quite, quite a few, yeah, definitely. If you if you want to get your pulp and and horror stories going, uh, great place to listen. Oh yeah, 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 and it's like I feel like stuff that I was doing three years ago is now being recognized. Like I've heard people talking about the Beatle and I'm like, I did that three years ago or, uh, RM James. And I'm like, I've been covering RM James for like a billion years and it's, yeah, no, it's, it's funny. And we've got stuff from way back when, and you can listen to it, enjoy it, love it, make it your own, start your own podcast. You know, if you start your own podcast based off of my podcast, uh, give me a link and uh, I'll, 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 I'll put you in the ads. Because but we're cool that way. We're cool that way. Like, um, you know, Derek helped me, so I helped Derek. And uh, Insmith Book Club uh, is part of my Patreon, so I put them in the show at the beginning of the show every week. And, you know... H.P. Lovecraft, you know, was cool with his friends and helped them out. And Yes, he was. You know, I think that's a cool thing about H.P. Lovecraft. That's that's something that I've always thought was cool about H.P. Lovecraft. There's a lot of stuff I don't think is cool about H.P. Lovecraft, like the anti-Semitism and uh, classism stuff. But the fact that he was willing to help his friends, I think, is super awesome. And... um. Friends of the podcast are always welcome to suggest things. If you want to be a po- uh, friend of the podcast, um, ch- check the link for our uh, patron, Patreon, uh, any of that stuff. If you want to kick us some money via PayPal, that's a good way to do it too. Um, and just help keep the podcast going because... It costs me a lot of money. <laughs> Dave doesn't have to pay for it. Every, every bit that people are willing to help, it, it, it helps. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, uh, help if you can. If you can't, we totally understand because I can barely pay for this thing and uh, I make it every week. But yeah. So, we will see you in the future. Um, if you want to hear more, then subscribe, tell your friends about it, tell your ma, tell your pa, I'll ship you down to Sothagua, all right, that's what I say. Um, 
And we'll be here next week. We'll be here next week. Yeah, no, um, I, I feel like everyone is going to get two episodes back to back because of the fact that I have been so busy and Dave has been so busy with the HP Lovecraft Film Festival and everything else going on. I don't know if you know this, but Northern California has been on fire and we've been having to deal with that smoke, too. So, oh, I think see, uh, outside of Seattle's on fire, too, this week. But yeah, yeah. So. Uh, we've, we've got stuff going on in the Northwest and we will see you all next week. Yes, we will. All right. Well, bye everyone. Bye.